0: By now, I'm talking about
1: Chattano. Jimenez in the air, left field. He's your hero tonight. With Alan Robinson taking it out of the air. Lord Stanley's new address is Sweet Home Chicago. The Chicago Blackhawks Lord have won the Stanley Cup. Maybe we could start again.
0: Hey, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Second City Show. I am your host, Patrick Flowers. And real quick, before we get going here today, I want to highlight the new opener that you heard just now that was created by. On Tap Sportsnet editor in chief, Johnny Nani, who is a stud at everything he does. And that intro had me ready to run through a fucking wall when he sent it to me today. So go ahead and give Johnny Nani a follow on Twitter, at Nani, N O N N I E, Johnny, J O N N I E. Johnny Nani's the man. He carries a lot of the workload over at Ontap Sportsnet in terms of a day to day basis. So go give him a follow. Today I'm going to be joined by David Wildman, also of the ONTAP Sports Network, a friend of the show and reoccurring guest, and we're going to be talking about the Chicago Bulls. Um, Last week on the House of L podcast where Lawrence Holmes interviews other Chicago media members, he had on Joe Cowley, a veteran Chicago sports media scribe. And in the episode, Cowley essentially hinted that he was sitting on a bombshell that he, as he said, would send him back to Cowley Island. If you listen to the episode, uh, Cowley Island was something that he referred to as a place that he went when he was uh, in uh, having a beef with Chicago sports front offices because Joe Cowley has never minced words and never been afraid to report the truth and all the truth and the truth that Chicago execs don't want you to hear Um and sure enough, a week later, we now get a s- story by Cowley about the Bulls, Jerry Reinsdorf, and his growing disdain for the job performance of general manager Gar Foreman. Now, everybody in Chicago knows that the running joke is Pax. hashtag fireGarPax, let's get rid of GarPax. I mean, and it's true, it, it's, it's not so much a joke because it's very serious. That front office is fucked up and the Bulls suck. Because of it, and it's they've been in a perpetual state of rebuild and basketball purgatory because of it. So, but it was kind of shocking today when that story dropped that you know Reinsdorf is actually uh, weighing the opinion of Doug Collins, who also can't stand Gar Forman. Uh, so, I don't know. Maybe we're about to actually get our wish and see some changes in the Bulls front office, maybe sooner than later. Um, But we're going to talk more about that right now with David Wildman. Again, as always, you can go and find David Wildman on Twitter at David underscore Wildman 88. So let's get right into it. All right, like I said, I'm joined by David Wildman right now. uh, And we're going to talk about the Joe Cowley report on the Bulls today. Dave, I'm going to start real quick by reading an excerpt from the column for everybody who might not have read it at this point, all right? So according to several sources, Bulls Board Chairman Jerry Reinsdorf is not only livid about the team's 6-12 start and the continued sinking outside optics of the organization, but is beginning to turn his attention to the job security of General Manager Gar Foreman if the ship keeps taking on water. The sources indicated that this is not a recent change of heart from Reinsdorf, but has been more of an accumulated bucket of questionable decisions a bucket that could be near the brim what do you what do you got to say about that I mean Pat the Bulls
1: have been run like an organization that has an owner that doesn't pay attention um I mean the way they do business the you know with with how long gar Pat, have been in charge together I mean they they really run like an organization where the owner doesn't pay attention so, you know, for, for this report to come out is encouraging to me that, like, you know, like I said, Jerry's at least paying attention. At least we got that going on. Uh, you know, as, as for the report itself, like, uh, how, who could be happy with this? I mean, we're in year three of this rebuild that was not supposed to take this long. The Jimmy Butler trade was supposed to take this rebuild, an accelerated one. And, I mean, we're in year three. Laurie hasn't turned into anything, you know, worth anything, frankly. Um, Levine is infuriating, and Don is, you know, he looks like he'll be maybe the best piece of this trade off the bench. Um, you know, it, 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 it's such a mess there. I'm just glad that at least Jerry's seeing what's happening.
0: Yeah. Me too. I mean, I was waiting for some White Sox bombshells today out of the whole Reinsdorf spectrum of the Chicago sports world, but I'll take a Bulls one, especially in this light, because the Bulls, and we've talked about it many times before, they've just they've been horrible, and this year is no exception. I mean, this was supposed to be the year where the front office told us that they're turning the corner, and they're going to be competitive for a playoff spot. And, not, I mean, not only are they 6-12, and 12, they're 0-6 following wins this season. Okay, This is a good stand. Following wins this season, they're 0-6, and and in those six losses, they've lost the game by an average of 16.5 points per game. So they can't string wins together. They're completely inconsistent in pretty much every aspect of the game, and they can't even defend their home court. They continuously run out on the United Center floor and, and get mopped. It's embarrassing at this point to be a Bulls fan.
1: So I'm I'm actually looking right now, and Patrick, I want you to tell me the last time the Bulls – and the answer is last year, but before that, the last time the Bulls did not leave the league in attendance.
0: I'm sorry, did you say that the answer was last year?
1: The answer is last year, they finished in second. Before that, when was the last time that the Bulls did not leave the league
0: in attendance? You know what? I'm going to have to say, which probably goes far back as the late 90s, early 2000, uh, the beginning of the post-Jordan era. The answer
1: is 8 09, where okay. they finished an average of 700 fans below the Pistons, and they were in second. This year, they're all the way down at sixth. So
0: it's, it's tough for me to think that that doesn't have something to do with it. That's a very interesting point, and I did not know that. But we, you know, that makes perfect sense because if we know one thing in Chicago sports, it's that Jerry Reinsdorf is all about the dollar. So if he's getting hit in the pocket right now with, you know, an attendance monster machine that is the Bulls, I'm not surprised that he's he's hot and bothered right now. It's, it's the first time that the Bulls haven't been in the top five in league attendance since 2002. That's wild. That's about where I was thinking, you know, early post-Jordan era years.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're they're down at six right now. So you have to think that the fans are finally saying enough. Um, you know, like I said, this rebuild just hasn't gone how it was promised to us. It was promised to us as an accelerated, you know, on-the-fly rebuild where we acquired what was supposed to be the core of it on draft night when we traded Butler. I, I think every piece that we've gotten from that Minnesota trade sucks, honestly. Like, I, you know, you can talk all you want about Levine scoring 49 points. That's not what Boylan called him out about. No, you know, and this is still a turnstile on defense that night. Yeah. Nothing's changed with
0: that with me. And I, I wrote about that the the morning of that performance, the night after the whole locker room incident and the questioning each other. You know, no, nobody has ever denied that Zach Levine is a microwave and that he can pour it in when he's when he's hot and and put the team on his back. The problem is, it's not. It doesn't happen enough to justify it, and it's just. Yeah. So, so it's it's a losing, you know, I said that that whole thing between Boylan and Levine and their current state of their relationship, no matter how they want to spin the optics to the press, you know, they're over here, hugs and handshakes, they worked it out, bullshit. They didn't work anything out. Their relationship is broke, and it's not going to be repaired over a little sit-down uh, conversation between and, the two of them. It's not worth fixing. I mean, Jim
1: Boylan is, is one of, it's hard for me to remember. I'm 23 years old. It's, it's hard for me to remember a time in Chicago sports since I've been alive that there's been a coach of a team that is so obviously in over his head. And the fact that he is still here, I mean, we're not even 20 games, but, you know, it's, it's like front office malpractice that not only do they have faith in this guy, people forget they extended in last off season.
0: They yeah. this guy an extension. Uh-huh. I mean, Dick Duron was pretty shitty back in the day. That might be a little bit before your 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 time in terms of you know in-depth sports comprehension. But, yeah, no, definitely in the last decade at least, the, <laughs> Boylan is as bad as it gets. That was an egregious hire in the first place. Um, all the reasons they said that they made the pivot from Hoiberg to Boylan have completely backfired against them, and they're just, they're sunk right now. There's no getting out of it until unless they make a move.
1: I mean, this is now, I mean, how many coach hires
0: has this front office had now? I mean, you think that. Vinny Del Negro. Was Skiles there first? You know what, you might actually, you're right, well, if you're going back to, if you're going all the way back to the beginning of Paxson's tenure, uh, then you go back to Skiles. But I don't think Foreman was was the general manager during the Skiles era because they didn't come out yeah, at I mean, the same time.
1: Vinny, Vinny Del Negro, who never was the head coach of a team ever again after us, then you get you get Tom Thibodeau, who was a you know he was a good coach, yeah, and then you know bought into the front office. And then you gave, you know, so you run him out of town, and then you give this front office who attempts at hiring their puppet. Because that was the issue with Thibodeau, was he wouldn't be their little puppet. Yeah. you get Boyberg, Boyberg flops, and then you get Boylan, who is it's a joke. I mean, Jim Boylan being the head coach is a running joke around the league.
0: Absolutely. And if you read the Cowley story, it even says in there that, that Doug Collins considered... Gar Foreman's Weasley attempt to backdoor Hoiberg in and push um, Tibbs out was strike one in his eyes because he never liked Fred Hoiberg as a fit for the Bulls and he knew that this was Gar's buddy and that was the only reason that he was trying to push him in there.
1: Yeah, and I I think that that is one one interesting tidbit from the article is it sounds like Doug Collins. Collins is carrying a lot of weight in the organization right now.
0: Which which is know, something we originally didn't know. think was the case. I mean, I, I know for a while after he got hired, a lot of us were like, what exactly does he do? But he-
1: yeah, it's it, insane. And I think most people thought, you know, this is Gary giving his buddy some cash. But it really does sound like he is carrying a lot of legitimate weight. And to me, that's relieving. I mean, the Bulls are, when you think of the Knicks of the world and the Kings of the world and, you know, going into some other sports, you think it's Browns of the world. I mean, tell me I'm wrong, but the Bulls are right there
0: with them is one of the most laughably flawed organizations in Chicago. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I was I was talking last night, I, I was on Twitter and... Um you know there there was a, the we want Melo back chance in the blazers game uh, which you know they came in the united center and beat the shit out of the Bulls again, and Carmelo Anthony looked like he was 10 years younger, and I, and I tweeted, I said, you know, I didn't want Carmelo Anthony in 2014, and I don't want him in 2019, you know, and and some guy on Twitter, I don't have it in front of me right now, uh, he was like, uh, oh, that's a losing mindset, you could tell you guys are loser mentality or whatnot, you know, Melo, y'all weren't winning shit in 2014 or now, I said, well, what, I said, well, what the hell did Melo ever win, and we went back and forth. Until I told him, I said, look, man, the Bulls are owned by the Reinsdorfs. The same elder Reinsdorf that essentially had a, ha- a heavy hand in forcing the Major League Baseball Players Union to strike in the 1994 season when his franchise, the Chicago White Sox, were favored to win the World Series and his star player, Frank Thomas, was favored to win the MVP award. That, if that don't show you where Jerry Reinsdorf's ultimate priorities are, then nothing will. 100%. I mean,
1: exactly. And, you know, going back, I did want Melo in 14. I wanted him very, very badly. Uh, I wrote an article about it last night that this was sort of, you know, in terms of the weird relationship that the Bulls and Carmelo Anthony have. And, you know, they will, he said it after the game, they'll always be tied together in history, you know. And that's legitimate. And, it, you know, I think – Velo turning back the clock and looking the best he's looked in literally three years against us is a fitting end for his, his bowl story. Yeah. But, you know, but back to the original point, I mean, that was the last time this team had any legitimate hope at a title. And it, it's just gotten worse and worse and worse since then. And it, it's so clear that this front office has no idea what it's doing. And Pat, I don't know if you actually saw the article I wrote, but there was a quote from Carmelo Anthony, let me pull it up, but a quote from Carmelo Anthony himself, and uh, I found this in a Forbes article, uh, he said, I was going to Chicago. Derek Rose, Joe Noah. I was there, right? I was there. And then I started getting whispers behind the scenes. Yo, look, this person ain't going to be there. It ain't really right. That and that. And it was all of that started to come up in the midst of my decision-making. You know, and we've heard reports that it, it, the front office creates this unbelievably toxic environment where players feel like they can't trust anybody except themselves. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that's been going on now, I mean, we've heard, heard reports of that years before Thibodeau was even done. Right. And that's just been allowed to go on. I mean, this this report is so overdue. It's encouraging, but it is so overdue.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's so overdue, and it's it's almost refreshing until you realize that this is still Jerry Reinsdorf, and he's still Mr. Loyalty. So, I mean, I know he's he's fed up with Gar with Foreman right now, but... I don't know just how quickly, if at all, this ever actually gets acted on because it would be just so out of character uh, for Reinsdorf. I mean, Collie said that the Hoiberg uh, hiring was strike one in his eyes, and now obviously Collin's opinion is being weighed heavily by Reinsdorf in this matter. Strike two's got to be the drop in attendance this year and the money out of Reinsdorf's pocket. So what is strike three, and, and when does strike three come? Is it on the horizon? I mean,
1: you, you I, I think strike three should have been the
0: Boyle of Levine's fat. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's embarrassing. And that, that's the stuff that,
1: regardless of what's going on on the court, which obviously isn't good, but as long as that stuff is happening, we'll never not be a punchline. I mean, you think that potential free agents aren't going to be looking at that, being like, I'm not going to go there.
0: No, of course, absolutely. I mean, the, Dwayne Wade said the same thing. Ray John Rondo said the same thing. I mean, this is just uh, going back to Melo and and, and and moving forward. As long as this front office is intact in the current capacity that it is, that's, that's always going to deter stars from going to Chicago. This summer, Anthony Davis is going to be a free agent. There's no fucking chance he comes here, even if it is his hometown. Why would he leave the Lakers in the situation they're in to come to what he and everybody else in the NBA among players knows is a dumpster fire.
1: Yeah, until until at least Gar Foreman is gone, you know, and I'm seeing some stuff that maybe for for all people know, Gar is legitimately a bigger problem than Paxton. But, you know, until something gets changed there, I mean, we're going to keep striking out on these free agents just like we have every single time this front office has had the opportunity to convert on a big name free agent
0: totally agree and i think for what it's worth as far as john Paxson is concerned any for anything he did good before he was linked up with gar forman gar Foreman is completely erased all of that good faith and, and and muddied his name as well. I mean, that's not absolving Paxton from anything that's happened while these two have been working together. But if he had, if there was uh, any any sliver of credibility to his name with with Foreman detached, I, I think it's it's gone at this point. I don't think there's any good faith left with either of them.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, it it's been so bad for so long that you're almost. I mean, you it. You, you forget how, how embarrassing it's been to be a Bulls fan for, you know, the better part of the past decade. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, you think if, if they hadn't exceeded all expectations and won that draft lottery, and Derrick Rose is never, part of, is never part of this franchise, I mean, we're probably floating, you know, into literally our 20th straight year of mediocrity since uh, Jordan left.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, look at this year, you know, we've took a hit in attendance. We can't defend our home court. We can't put multiple wins together. We got a coach and an alpha, you know, self-deemed star publicly taking barbs at each other in the media. And in a couple months, the NBA's premier event, the All-Star Weekend, comes to the United Center and puts the Bulls, and Foreman and Paxson and Reinsdorf and the franchise and the city of Chicago on center stage. And right now, it's a dumpster fire for, for the world to see. That's absolutely yeah, 100%, 100%. unacceptable. If, if, if Jerry has any pride
1: left and he's not sitting back on his laurels because his baseball team is making some nice moves in free agency, then, you know... He, he'll do something, like you said, before the All-Star game gets here. I mean, you're literally going to have the 15 best players in the world coming with all lives in your organization. If you ever want to sign another creation again, you have to get this right.
0: Absolutely. is the biggest stage there is for for a franchise in terms of exposure and among the league I mean you know because everybody watches the All-Star Weekend. I know everybody watches the playoffs and the finals but it's very team centric whereas the All-Star weekend is player centric and it's it's about the brand and growing the brand and the players that that make the brand so it's it's a different it's a different beast than than the playoffs per se and it's and it's your stage it's in your backyard and man if your shit doesn't look right when you let people into your backyard, that's going to be tough to break that stink for a long time.
1: Yeah, and you know, just going back to this rebuild, which I think is hurtling towards failure, I mean, you tank two years in a row to end up with Kobe White and Wendell Carter, you know, and I like those guys as players, I like Kobe White, I like Wendell, but you know,
0: neither of those guys to turn into your best player on a championship team. No. No, not at all. And and if we learned anything from last year, it doesn't even, you know, I've already seen, well, let's just let the Bulls spiral out of control and, and, and tank for a pick. Well, if we learned anything from last year, it doesn't work the, with the current lottery setup.
1: No, it doesn't. Um, especially now they've made it even more difficult. I mean, tanking, you just get in the lottery. That's it, you know, and, and we'll be there again. We'll probably be there with top six or seven odds. And, you know, maybe they'll get lucky, but, you know, you end up with the first overall pick in this year's draft. You know, it's kind of like, so what? You got the Anthony Edwards kid in Georgia, who I like a lot, but you miss Zion. Um you missed Aiden. you missed Luca. you wanted, you know, here we go again, you wanted Luca, and you didn't go and get him when you had the opportunity to go and get him. And he's, you know, just completely setting the world on fire. He's at this point looking like he might take the torch from LeBron when he moves on.
0: Yeah. And that was, oh man, that look! I was reading some about that last night. That Luka Doncic miss. Oh, that hurts so bad. And of course, the evaluator. You know, Luka Doncic was gonna be the unathletic white guy, right? And so that's why we passed. I don't know. We don't want another one of those. And it's they're they're everything. It, go, it goes back to how we said it's an all-encompassing shit show. I mean, from from the on court to the off court performance to player evaluation and player development. It's just a complete. Shit show all the way around. I don't think there's one aspect that the Bulls do right currently. No, there's not. Except for B- now, they're not even. Except for in-game entertainment, because right, Benny the Bull is number one on the on the mascot power rankings. But you know,
1: yeah, but hundred, you know, and Benny the Bull has literally carried them now for twenty years, Can- <laughs> and it seems like charm is running out. And you really have to think that there's a correlation between what's really a pretty significant dip in attendance and, and Jerry waking up and thinking, oh, God, got to do something now."
0: hmm Can Benny play small forward, you think?
1: Benny? I mean, honestly, I I just put Benny out there one-on-five. I mean, have you seen that dude walker?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's where we're at. We're talking about putting our mascot on the floor.
1: Life is a fan, man. man. <sighs>
0: You know, we get a lot of I, – I, I often call Chicago sports fans insufferable because I feel like there's a lot of lot of unnecessary bellyaching that goes on, especially nowadays in the, in the social media age that we're in. But, man, I'll tell you what, the one area I absolve the fans from is the Bulls because how can you not be insufferable? It's just a culture that they've built at this point.
1: And, I mean, Bulls fans are really a – you compare it to really, you know, White Sox fans or Bears fans. I mean, Bulls fans are a really tolerant bunch. I mean, they put up with a lot, yeah. and you know, even now, I would, I wouldn't necessarily say that there's an overwhelming feeling of you know everyone's fed up even now. Uh, and you know, I, I don't know why that is, but. You know they've put up with a lot, and I think that the fact that attendance is dipping like it is really says
0: a lot. Yeah, totally. I mean, oh, that's that's a refreshing. It's a, it's a refreshing t- trend. I don't know how much I believe it. I'm not going to get my hopes up that uh, that that this this foreman you know ousting will happen anytime soon. I just. I've seen this show one too many times before, but it's, it's nice to know that there's at least internal conversations going on and that the organization isn't utterly tone deaf to everything that goes on. Yeah, 100%. It, it, we'll
1: take it at this point. I
0: mean, goddamn, we'll, we'll take a sign that someone in that organization has a pulse. Yeah, absolutely. Where's, uh, on another note... No Zach Wheeler yet. Are you getting nervous? You know, I
1: uh <laughs> y- you know, I'm i I'd be more nervous if yeah, okay, yeah. I'm getting nervous. Uh, <laughs> I I was doing pretty well and not getting my hopes up about it in the first place mm-hmm. and I, you know I I still think you know I, I feel pretty decently about it um, but yeah you know I Lord help us if we lose that Wheeler to the Twins that's oh. what I'll say it, it's one thing if he goes to you know Philadelphia or something but if we let an in-division rival in a but smaller market outbid us uh, I'll have some,
0: some comments for the next podcast yeah I mean let's be honest here like I, I was jonesing last night I'm like sitting there and I'm scrolling through Twitter scrolling through Twitter there's absolutely nothing going on good in Chicago sports at that point point. and I'm like man when where we're approaching Thanksgiving we heard Thanksgiving by Thanksgiving from multiple sources or outlets I should say um <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting nervous. I know that last week the entire fan base was running around with a Canadian belt buckle, and this week we're all <laughs> shitting our pants. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say I'm quite there yet, but I'm not. I'm not
1: happy with how this is sort of starting to drag. Yeah, me neither. You know, it's like get it, get it done. It's clear that it's going to get done for someone sooner rather than later. So you yeah, know, let's just get it done.
0: I'm, the one, the one silver lining so far, if 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 anybody is starting to panic, um, seriously panicking about the the potential of this deal getting done, is uh, Andy Martino from SNY in New York. He covers the Mets and he covers the Yankees. Was on the White Sox Talk podcast that dropped this morning with Chuck Garfine and uh, Ryan Guffey, and he said that he believes that the market for Wheeler is going to be one that moves fast, almost with the timeline that we all kind of hope, you know, the Thanksgiving po- just post Thanksgiving, because, uh, the coal time, the, the coal market is going to be very slow moving because he's going to, he's obviously far and away the number one available pitcher on the market. And that's going to be a slower moving market. So teams that are staked in that, in that race, you know, that have skin in that in that potential run at Garrett Cole, like the Angels or like the Yankees, are essentially going to eliminate themselves from the Zach Wheeler sweepstakes because that Wheeler deal is going to get done before Cole and they're not going to want to spend $100 million on Wheeler and essentially remove themselves from the Cole sweepstakes down the line.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think that this Wheeler deal, I'll say this. I, I think that the stocks are really good at letting letting things, making sure that they're the ones, we talked about this before, but making sure that they're the ones that release their own information. Um, uh, you know, they make their announcements on Wednesdays. They announced Grand Hall at 11 a.m., Last Wednesday?
0: Don't do this to me, David. (laughs) Don't don't you do this to me, you son of a bitch.
1: That could be a good
0: time to make sure you're on Twitter. That's all I'll say. I know I'm going to be. Oh, man. And that would be roughly, that would be approaching the 48-hour mark of uh, designating Yomer Sanchez for assignment and officially opening up the roster spot on the 40 man yep exactly so we'll keep our eyes open you suck you did it to me again (laughs) (laughs) we'll just we'll keep our eyes open that's all we'll say we'll keep it open and we'll keep our schedules open for another emergency podcast hopefully knock on wood hopefully a more
1: powerful
0: one yes well we'll have one either way one will be really awesome and one will be us talking a whole lot of shit about the White Sox
1: yeah maybe uh Post Thanksgiving one, where we'll probably have a Bears game to bitch
0: about. Oh yeah. NBC Sports in Chicago is playing White Sox walk-offs all day, so I, I might actually be tuned into oh, that. There you go. There's your Thanksgiving viewing for sure. Gobble gobble. Well oh, that.
1: We'll see, man. There's, uh, there's a lot going on. A lot, lot going on. We'll see. All right all right we'll
0: keep our emotions in check until then dave thanks again appreciate you coming on uh regular friend of the friend of the show as you called it the other day <laughs> and i will uh i'll talk Welcome. to you. all right guys once again that was david wildman make sure you go follow him on twitter david underscore wildman 88 uh, and follow on tap sports network at on sports net that's where david and i currently reside and uh, tomorrow we will have another episode out, and our guest will be Joe Lorenzana. Joe is the creator of the Chicago White Sox exclusive. It's a Facebook uh, fan community for the Chicago White Sox. It's got a large following. Joe's a season ticket holder, a very passionate fan, and it's going to be a good, ta- good time. It's going to be great to have Joe on the episode and hear his White Sox thoughts uh, hear about his group, hear about his experiences as a sick- season ticket holder and probably a little bit about his wants and desires as a season ticket holder and a Sox fan moving forward and a few other things, some general White Sox business and whatnot. But you check it out and uh, I'll talk to you guys then. Later. If you don't know by I'm now, I'm talking again. about chi
1: Jimenez In the air! Field. He's your hero! tonight! I'm coming home again, Come back, corner yeah. for three. Give me the hot sauce! Give me the hot sauce, Bob! I think that'll be a fade to black moment with Allen Robinson taking it out of the air. Lord Stanley's new address is Sweet Home Chicago! The Chicago Blackhawks now have won the Stanley Cup! Maybe we could start again.